Um, let's turn in our Bibles to two places. We will get back to the book of John, Lord willing, next uh, Sunday. Uh, but two places, uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, and thank you guys. It looked like the, the switch or battery or whatever, the new device. Working good, thank you. Nehemiah chapter 4 and Acts chapter 2. Two places. A couple of years ago I did a whole series on the book of Nehemiah, and it's still, as I believe, uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, I think it's archived out on the YouTube channel and uh, on the website as well. So you can go out if uh, you want to look at chapter 4, for example, or anything related to the book of Nehemiah. Uh, that's out there. Um, but those two passages, Nehemiah 4 and Acts chapter 2, uh, starting in Nehemiah 4, and Nehemiah is harder to find than Acts uh, in, the, in the Old Testament there, or the Tanakh, as it's called in the Hebrew. In the uh, fourth chapter, we'll pick it up with verse 15. And it happened when our enemies heard that, uh, that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing. Isn't that good to know that God can bring any plot against you or against us to nothing? That all of us return to the wall, everyone to his work. God's called us to be laborers. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at the construction site while the others held spears and the shields and the bows and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens, loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction, with the other hand held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. This is Nehemiah speaking. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. In other words, uh, the lines of communication can break down the, f the more people you have. And even our church, the larger the church gets, it's harder to stay as connected. So you can kind of see this. But there is a connection point here. Um, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us, our God will fight for us. So God is always the center. God, we all rally to, like we just said now, we get on our knees, we rallied to saying, God, you will fight for us. Verse 21, so we labored in the work. We'll stop right there. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Totally different time period. Acts chapter 2. New Covenant versus Old Covenant. Um, it was Pentecost, uh, or right after Pentecost anyway. So Peter had just preached. 3,000 had come to Christ. The Holy Spirit had fallen. The church explodes. And again, we want to look again at their response and how they operated as a church body and how we want to continue to do the same. Uh, starting in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, in this church like donuts, and in prayers. <laughs> then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided among all as anyone had need. So continually, with one accord, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having, underline that too, praising God, as a praiseworthy people, or people that praise the Lord, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we know that what you did in the day of Nehemiah and what you did in Peter's day in the early church and the founding, the church fathers there, you are still doing and want to do again and will do again. And we want to be a part of that. And Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith and our surrender and all these things that we look at, Lord, that we would be that much more yielded to you. May you speak to us by your word. Remove me once again from the equation that we might all hear from you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, today is a, a bit different from our typical verse-by-verse -verse study of God's Word. We'll step away from John today. And different even than a topical message or one of the many topical series uh, that I'll do from time to time. But still the same goal, of course, and that being 
to glorify the Lord and that we would look to Him for our guidance and that He would conform us as a church body, individuals in the body of Christ, into the image of Jesus. I, I've been talking to Jesus so much lately. It's like, Lord, just make me more like you. There's so many, I can, my mind can get distracted a million things. Make me like you. A little background. We started having an annual ministry Sunday about five years ago. Each time it was within the first quarter, and this is a, we barely made it into the first quarter. You know, if we missed one day, a couple days, we missed the for, uh, first quarter. But we're, we're going to squeak it in. Everything in the pandemic's kind of changed everything. We had some quarantines, but in the first quarter, started about five years ago. And Ministry Sunday, if I could define it, I just want to show you what the focus of it is so you kind of understand why we do this. And uh, frankly, we could probably use it twice a year, but at least we do it once to kind of get our bearings. Reflect on why we're here as a church. Appreciate what the Lord is doing in our midst. Align ourselves with Jesus' instructions. It's always about what He instructs, not what I want to do or you want to do. Understand where we are at and the opportunities in front of us and get the entire church family involved in being and making disciples in our homes, on, our property, on the property here and beyond. And some, some of that may be, for some of you, just being a prayer warrior at home. It may, may be a shut-in right now and we now, have, we now have an opportunity. We actually truly could do a shut-in ministry. We actually have enough people. We used to not even have that need. We actually have it now where you literally could have people just go visit people. We didn't have that before. We've grown to the place that we have that. Some of you may be at home. You, you, that may be all God's calling you to just be a prayer warrior. But other people, uh, that's not the case. You have a different uh, station in life, and so God may be calling you to other things. But I don't, con- I don't conduct Ministry Sunday, let me go back one, I don't conduct Ministry Sunday uh, the exact same way every year, so it's not even a cookie cutter, uh, it's just that we're always looking to God for direction, and always it's bathed in prayer. But we look to the future, and our calling as believers, and even as a church, by looking back to what God has already told us in His Word, right? What He's told in the days of Nehemiah, what He's told in there in the book of Acts understanding that we just read from Nehemiah and the book of Acts, we're looking at those two passages, you're looking at two different dispensations of time. Actually two different theological dispensations too. One's under law, one's under grace, one's under the new covenant of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But what is common to both of those scenes that we just read, both scenes take place where? Jerusalem. Both are in the city of of Jerusalem. There's almost 500 years between those two scenes. But in both cases, God gathers a group of believers. It's God that has gathered the group. If you're here today, it's God that's gathered this group. A group that truly believe that God's will and plan is better than our own, or better than their own. A group that fully trusted and followed in faith. God will ensure the results. Do you believe that God's plan is better than your own? Amen. Amen. Whew, I, know, I know His plan is better than mine. My pea brain compared to God. I mean, come on. In both cases, each group was called to assemble and operate as one. You saw there in Acts in one accord. One. Which is never easy. It's never get, easy to get a bunch of people to act as one. A team to act as one. Your car, your parts, they don't always work as one, do they? Sometimes they're working against. But there were in that group, there was called and established leaders in both cases. You had Nehemiah and Peter. And there was a smaller group of supporting leaders with them. There were different gifts. There were different talents. There were different skills. There were different backgrounds and families. In both cases, the, the believers we're dealing with areas that they were just surrounded by opposition, enemies, idolatry, empty religion, and a worldly mindset that had no interest in serving and submitting to God. Does that sound familiar? That's our society. Opposition, resistance to God. And here we are 2,000 years later from that second group there in Acts 2. And the Lord has gathered us. He's gathered us in this room 
from different backgrounds, different states, different countries even, different ages, different spiritual gifts. Um, and all of that to come together as one, grow together as one, and be a light and a very deceived, confused, cynical, and polarized nation. I, I'm personally glad I got saved and I got saved at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, you guys know that, but before we ever moved to Fort Lauderdale, when we first, when I, when I was unsaved and I moved as a college kid to Miami, Florida, I got baptized in different cultures, and it was good for me. Man, I just, I mean, I literally, I was, we were living right, right across the street from little Haiti, and then I would be in little Havana, and we would get, to, we got to know all these different cultures, and you know, our, our kind of, one of the ladies we called mom, she was from Brazil, and we got to know all these different cultures. Even before I got saved, God was saying, this is the whole planet that I want to put together in the body of Christ. Now when I got saved, lots of light bulbs went off, and so you know, the only thing, there was a common thing, you know, sports could get everybody together. There were certain things that could get everybody together, but God says, no, no, I'm going to use the gospel. That's what, you, it's what he did in the book of Acts. They were speaking different languages, and they all came together. And so God wants to make us one and be a light uh, in this day and age, just as he wanted to do back there in Acts chapter 2. And I want to look briefly through these seven areas. We'll look at these seven things this morning. Say, can we really get through seven when you normally do three? Yes, I did it in the first service, so you have confidence it's a different type. I'm not doing the verse-by-verse teaching, so a little different format. But together in the essentials, and you see all the way down through together in faith. I'm not going to read them because we're going to look at them individually. But these are the areas we're endeavoring to trust and follow the Lord as a church with an expectation that the Lord will exalt Jesus, His own Son, that He'll grow and renew us, and He's going to save and rebuild many lives. I really believe that God has a lot of people on the to-be-saved list in 2021 that you and I don't even know. The to-be-saved list. The to-be-sitting-here-next-spring that, wow, they weren't here with us, but now they've been saved in the next 12 months. Amen? You see, way back even in Nehemiah's day, uh, they were working on literal stone walls. But what God was working on was stone hearts. That's what God was working on. Softening those hearts. Working, rebuilding. We need a lot of rebuilding. A lot of, a lot of re- relationships need rebuilding. But that's always God's plan, isn't it? To rebuild, to renew, to reestablish. It's always His plan. Hasn't changed. Still is His plan. This building that you're sitting in right now this is what it looks like empty. This building that you're sitting in right now, there's no life in it as far as those chairs you're sitting in and that beautiful carpet we have that you're looking at. <laughs> you guys knew I was nuts. You guys knew I was kidding on that, didn't you? Yeah. We're thankful for it anyway. We'll talk about thankfulness a little later. But, uh, um, but we know that the place, the building... The cracks on the outside of the brick foundation, literal cracks that we have on this building. you know. So all of it, there's no life in the building. But when God inhabits his people in the building, and by the way, he can inhabit the building whether we're here or not. He's everywhere. But when he inhabits his people in the building, amazing things take place and can take place. But it's not places that God loves. It's people. Amen? It's people. You see people that just get under your skin, pray for them. You used to be them. <laughs> and we still are them. Your spouse will let you understand that on the way home. Um, we now love and serve him as individual believers and as a group because he loved and came to us. That's the only reason we love people is because Jesus came and loved us. Amen. And so these seven areas are reminders of how we'll continue to minister to the Lord and to one another. And also what God has been doing, what He has already been doing by His Spirit, as we followed these simple instructions. Most of the Bible is very simple instructions. It's will we do it? Very simple things. By the way, if something is living, you'll know if plants in your yard are living or not, right? If something is living, it'll be growing, 
And as it relates to this church, I, I don't have any vision, care whatsoever about numerical growth. Whatever God, He has grown us numerically, but I don't care about it, don't really think much about it. I just think, Lord, let our roots of our heart and spirit grow deep. If that happens, God, whatever you want to do, because I do want to see people, I would love to see people say, whether they end up here or some other place, as long as they're in the kingdom and they're growing, that's what we care about. But if something is growing, there's a Christ-likeness that's growing. And that's what I want to see in my life and I want to see in your life. There's a Christ-likeness, those of you that are watching online, that a Christ-likeness is growing in you. So let's look at these seven things. Let's one more brief prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that we would be teachable by your Spirit, but also grateful for what you're already doing. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So these, the first, the seven, let's take a look. Together in the essentials, the Spirit, the Word, prayer, and worship. That early church in Acts chapter 2 was birthed by what? An outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it was the Spirit that empowered everything. A, a lot of churches down through the ages, we saw the church in Sardis and Laodicea, they did not have a work of the Spirit. They had activity, but not a work of the Spirit. We need the work of the Spirit. And yet the Spirit will always point to what? The Word and Jesus. The Word and Jesus. The, word, the Spirit always points to the Word and to Christ. And in this church, we endeavor to live by these every week, to grow in them. We don't tire of them. We don't say, you know what? The Word, it's just, let's, just, let's just do nonstop worship services. Let's just not, let's, let's read one verse and do 20 songs. Now, there are nights that we've done just worship nights. It's great to do a work, but the essentials are there for balance. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. The Word is important. Worship's important. Prayer is important. And the Holy Spirit makes all of it active. So all of it matters. And so we do even today, we're at, we had to limit. I still wanted a couple of worships. It's good. You have to raise your hands in worship. But we need to read from the Word. Not just me to go through seven things, but there has to be a text that we read from. The Word is living. It's active. And Jesus said His house would be a house of prayer. So we have to have prayer. And then we ask for the Holy Spirit to activate all of it. Amen? That's how it works. We say, Lord, we're doing these simple things. If we weren't saved, they would be pointless. But once the Holy Spirit's in us, they're not pointless. They're powerful. They're peaceful. All of these things. So we endeavor to live by these. We don't tire of them. We're refreshed by them. We're refreshed by them. I, I, I want to see us to the point where we can't wait to get... To, I was glad, the Bible says in the psalm, I was glad when they said, let me go to the house of the Lord. Yeah. That we really want to dive into these things. These are essential foundations. Nothing of the genuine work of God will happen without these front and center, central to this ministry, central to this church. You know, the apostles all died. We all know that, right? Guess what didn't die with them? The Spirit, the Word, prayer, and worship. They just went to Polycarp, and on down the line it went. You know, Polycarp was a disciple of John, and each Irenaeus and all the church fathers, and they passed it on to get to Martin Luther and Wycliffe and all, all the way down to us. And so we still look at the same things. We don't say, you know what? Uh, America has figured a lot of things out. Let's follow, let's follow the country. No, not at all. Uh, all these things remain. We're not looking to be entertained. We're not looking to check a box. We're not looking to know more stuff here. We want to depend on God and grow by the Spirit of God. We want to hear and apply the Word of God. We want to pray and continually pray continually for the grace of God. We need grace every day. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Mercies are new every day, so it's great. Uh, worship and praise the holiness of God. I need to look at the holiness of God because it always shows me what I need from Him. All these things are important. And when the whole church together is like this, you have this Greek word, ecclesia, which you're probably familiar with. You probably heard it. It means a gathering or assembly of worshipers in Christ. Uh, specifically, before the Christian faith was born, it was just that, work, that word already was in the Greek, a gathering assembly. But now we know that in the context of the global church, God's body, 
ecclesia. This is the gathering that we're a part of. And in Hebrews it tells us, and we understand this is very important, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Some people will drop off. Some people will drift away. Some people, eh, I don't know. Really, my church is out in the middle of Pocahontas State Park fishing. You know, uh, that's fine if you wrote the Bible, but you didn't. Amen. And I didn't. But exhorting one another, well, you, how many, I got another dude in the bass boat. Uh, that's, not, that's not gathering together. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, it's been wonderful for us that in even the pandemic, and some of you at home that, that have to be watching online or, or for various reasons, whether it's health concerns, and even we've had shutdowns and quarantines and the whole church shutdown, we've done it, that we can still gather online. And I appreciate all that. And we have a, we have a great hybrid model of that. Uh, but even with that, we try and make sure we have Zoom calls and prayer meetings. We'll get into that in a little bit. But to make sure that the body is connected. But we gather, we gather to worship with a reliance on the Holy Spirit. And we, ask, we say, Holy Spirit, bless our worship. Bless it. And if there's a drift from the centrality of the word and prayer, then we become like Sardis and Laodicea. If we just drift away and we don't really dig into the word, we don't go verse by verse, we don't really see what God is saying. Because we want to Paul said, I haven't shunned to share from you the whole counsel of God. That's why we try and go through entire books of the Bible. Uh, I still like topical things. And by the way, Pastor Chuck used to say every one of his verse-by-verse teachings was topical because the topic is in the text. So in that sense, it is. But all of this, the Word, prayer, worship, and dependence on the Spirit, it's all done by believers. Non-believers cannot even cannot make these things the focus and see the fruit of it. But as believers we can. And we expect that the Lord will conform us to Himself. And even in a day like today, when I'm not, this is not a message to, it's not a salvation message today. It's not a message to the lost, those of you watching online. And yet God can save someone today because the Holy Spirit's present. Amen? That's the way it works. And so, which is good because you don't have to make every single service a Billy Graham crusade, which I I'm all for Billy Graham Crusades. Well, he's not with us, but you know, obviously we've got, it's carried on by Greg Laurie and uh, Franklin and others, but the church is to equip the saints. Amen. Amen. And yet God saves people in the midst of that. That's just the work he does. And that's why many times I'll give the plan of salvation at the end and people will get saved. Like, wow, I didn't even say two things. I mentioned the cross a couple of times and boom, the Spirit connects. The next thing, so these are the essentials. The next thing we're together in fellowship, connected and growing relationships. God, uh, God created marriage and He created families and He created the body of Christ to be in relationships. We're called brothers and sisters in Christ for a reason. You know those terms mean siblings, they mean the same family. And so we've been birthed into a family that has been stitched together. We're a bunch of adoptees that are all now part of the same family. But Jesus said in John, 12, uh, John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. Disciples are called to love one another. And that means you're going to have to spend time together. That means you're going to have to make time to spend together. You're going to have to intentionally be together. The Greek word is koinonia. Koinonia is the Greek word. I'll never forget uh, my pastor uh, colleague friends was over in um, oh, they were in one of the Eastern Bloc countries and he, and he said a couple times the Greek word and um, I think he said, well, why, why you say Greek? We are Serbian. We do not care what the Greek... <laughs> but it was really the whole thing. Was, no, no, this is what the Greek, the original intent was. And it was just kind of funny to me. So um, you know, why do you keep mentioning Greek? You know, we're, we're Serbians. So, well, why do we care about what's what said in the Greek language? So, uh, but that's the original language. So sometimes we go back and so koinonia, we want to understand what it means in the original text. And uh, it's, a, it's a very rich word. It's mentioned 17 times in the New Testament, it means communion or sharing. It, all, it also has the intent 
uh, it refers to one's place in a group, your place in a group, my place in a group. It also uh, speaks of the warmth of relationship. It also refers to contribution. In other words, that each party is making a contribution. It also speaks of each one being a joint gift one to another. Most of you would think that in your marriage, you're a gift to your spouse and they're a gift to you. That's the way you're supposed to think about it. And so that all of that uh, is bound in this word. And we, we can also um, understand that when you think about contribution, sometimes the contribution is just to be present. You being here today, God, that's all God's asked of you, just to be present. Other situations, just to be a good listener. We need more listeners in this world, in the body of Christ. Most specifically though, koinonia um, or genuine fellowship is only found and made possible by the Holy Spirit. We all understand that. The, 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 the full context of koinonia relationship is Holy Spirit endowed and driven. He gives us, and by the way the Holy Spirit gives us the desire to fellowship. Once you come to Christ, um, I'll give a good example of this. Before I came to Christ I, I did not have I lived in South Florida far away from the rest of my family. I did not care if I ever got together with family, my, my literal family for family reunions and stuff like none of that mattered to me. Hill of Beans I'm like I, if I see in 50 years I'll be fine. I got saved and God gave me a love for my family that I didn't have before. But he also gave me a love for the body of Christ. And so then I started making time because I didn't really, you know, I, I got this to do, I got this, I want to go surfing, I want to go do this. I, I didn't have time for, God says, no, you make time for people now. I give you a heart for people. And that's what God does. He gives us a desire for fellowship. Now, for some people, fellowship will come easier. For some of you, it's just kind of natural. You, you want to get together with people. But others, it won't come as easy. Just like prayer life will come easier for some believers than it will for others. And sharing their faith will come easier for some person than, than for others. That makes sense? So you actually have different things will be a little more activated by the Spirit more easily in you than other things. But you're, we still have the responsibility for them and we all need to do it. Let me read this. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of um, paragraphs from uh, this devotional Every Day with Jesus. And I thought it was really good how it's uh, worded here as it relates to fellowship. Listen to these um, two paragraphs. And it says, Our fellowship with other Christians heightens our understanding of God and helps us stay spiritually fresh. I have no doubt that my fellowship with other Christians has helped uh, more than words can convey in keeping me spiritually alert and topped up. When for some reason I am not able to fellowship with other Christians, my spiritual life tends to sag. This is one of the laws of the Christian life, and we ignore it to our peril. Dr. E. Stanley Jones said the measure of our spiritual maturity can be, can be and is measured by the breadth and depth of our capacity and willingness for fellowship. Note the words capacity and willingness. This doesn't mean working at enlarging our circle of fellowship, though for some it may mean that, but that we have the capacity and the willingness to do it should God lead so. I know there are Christians and churches and fellowships and denominations whom I will never meet down here on earth, but I have the capacity and the willingness to fellowship with them if God were to make it possible. We are only as mature as our willingness and capacity for fellowship. We are only as mature as the willingness and capacity. And so that's, uh, it's found in the Scriptures. It's what God is calling us to. It's very important. And so let's take a look at the next of these seven areas. Uh, together in joy. Rejoicing and grateful. We need to be joyful people in a cynical, really not happy world. Um, if it wasn't for the, the generic, non, you know, kind of um, explosive things like me just reading sports stuff on my Twitter accounts. If you read the comments, there is not a more enraged world than the Twitter world. I mean, just, uh, just, ah, it's like cat nut, uh, claws out every, you know. And nobody, everybody is a, a cynic now. Everybody has a, 
uh, a mark, a remark about everything. But we're called to be joyful, hopeful, rejoicing. But I meet way too many Christians that aren't happy believers, that really, uh, I would not want what they have if I was an unsaved person. And so I've said before, if you walk around with a big frown, don't tell them you go to Calvary Chapel, Richmond. You know, <laughs> tell them you go, I'll give you some church. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 just, just kidding. But uh, really, uh, that we would be rejoicing, thankful, grateful. And it takes exercise in this. I was telling the, the early 830 service, there'll be times I'll be riding down the road, um, and I literally will just kind of ha- be stone-faced for no apparent reason. The Lord will say, smile. There's no one around but me. There's no one to smile at. God says, smile, start rejoicing. Why, why are you, you kind of like a stick in the mud right now? You know, the, the Lord will just kind of speak to me that way. I showed some of the guys uh, Wednesday this little meme that I came across. The guy's son faces me driving and forgetting I exist. And, you know, just kind of you're in that. And so God said, no, no, I've called you to be a worshiper. Remember we saw that in John chapter 4? The Spirit is seeking those that will worship, that the rejoicing. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Everything give thanks. Just start saying, Lord, uh, we want to be giving thanks a lot, not just when we're alone, although that's where you've got to start practicing, smiling, praising God in your private place, uh, wherever you're at, your prayer closet, driving, wherever it may be, but also that we're thanking each other and saying, man, I thank God for you. I rejoice at what he's doing in your life. And I, mean, I, I just think, man, tell somebody, man, thank you for leading worship. That was awesome. You know, this is just a grateful heart. Uh, the Lord has called us to rejoice and be thankful for his grace. By the way, these are all pictures from here. So if you're wondering, where are these coming? You know, most of them are obvious, but just in case you didn't know that, and there are people that God has been touching and, and doing a work in. And this wasn't that long ago that we did even these baby dedications, but uh, the Lord has called us to rejoice and be thankful in His grace, and it's, and it's a blessing to, to rejoice in things and, and to give thanks for what He's done in people's lives, like baptism, and, and to smile with those. I mean, if the world can smile about their fiestas and their parties, about you know, whatever it is that you know, they, we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day and we're going to drink tons of green beer and whatever else they're going to do, and you know, if they can smile, we have a reason to smile. Amen? We have a reason to smile and to be rejoicing, to, to rejoice with the parents of new babies. And it's not hard. The babies are cute. So, you know, that, that also helps. Uh, older people, we don't are not as cute as once when they were that little. And they smell really good and all that stuff, too. So there's a, those are all reasons, all the reasons to rejoice and uh, to take special times throughout the year that we do. We, we, I'll, I'll do some topical things because there's sometimes we just need to park and thank God that he came to the world. And thank God that he went to the cross, or thank God for these different times. In other words, we're to be intentional to celebrate with thanksgiving. Here as a body, but also you individually, and, and be intentional in your families as well. Next thing, together in discipleship. See, together in discipleship. And this has been obviously a big focus in the last uh, several years here. The Lord's kind of emblazoned it on my head, say, no matter what, not just Christians, but disciples disciples. Not just Christians. All Christians should be disciples, but not all disciples, I mean, not all Christians are disciples, and, and yet there's definitely a good amount of believers that are Christians, they've been saved, and now God is calling them to be disciples. He has been calling all of us, and we either just do like this, or we say, we do like this. It's either this or this. And we yield to it, and we surrender to it. You know, Jesus said, many are called Few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many, uh, in fact, all believers are called to be disciples, but many balk at it or procrastinate or they kind of drift away, which we uh, see in the word, uh, there's a term called backsliding. We don't even use it that much anymore because it got such a bad, it was overused, but the term is real. There really is backsliding, which is, means to drift away. And then there's also making excuses, like I'll, I'll, I'll get to it, I just, just when, I, you know, when I get 101 things right in my life. No, you just do it and God will get the 101 things right. Amen. So the excuses are there. But as we talked about last week, discipleship only happens with surrender. 
It's more powerful than commitment, although commitment will come through surrender. Commitment is important. I'm committed to my wife. We have a great marriage, and we're going to stay that way through being surrendered to Jesus. And by surrendering to Jesus, we keep commitment. Paul said, I know whom I believed in and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul was surrendered to the Lord, therefore he could be a committed person in this area of discipleship and growing uh, in grace. And it's way past time, and those of you online, I hope you're listening as well, it's way past time for all of us to surrender to be disciples. America needs disciples, not just churchgoers. Our country needs disciples. Which, by the way, this whole discipleship of the Jesus calling, it's facilitated by God's design when we're in fellowship. Um, we, we've seen this, we've, we've made a real effort. The more, And it's harder to do with men than women. Uh, women are a little easier just to kind of get them together and start connecting. Men, how'd your day go? Good. That's not a deep conversation right there. You know, good is, but that's about as, you know, I'll see you next week. All right, so that was that, you know, that kind of thing. And so there has to be scriptural tenets that actually drive conversations and, and, and build communication there. And, um, but relationships are important. So it's, with men, it's good, it's good they go to lunch together sometimes and just shoot the breeze a little bit and get to know each other. And then I think that's worked great with senior class has been doing that with some of those. And you get to know a person and you what really get to know your commonality in Christ. But it takes a while to, build, to kind of break down just kind of, you know, uh, all I did was shake your hand once on a Sunday morning. It takes a little more than that. So fellowship and discipleship go hand in hand. They're very, very, very important. Just the other night, um, uh, you know, we see that this commitment to fellowship will always help in discipleship. Um, we had... Uh, well, I'll show you this one in a second, but th- this is just an image of s- different things we've been doing, and sometimes, you know, even the fellowship can take place with mediums like the Zoom calls and things like that, which is far better than no fellowship at all, uh, but optimally, God uses all of them, right? You, you know, there's, there's times, you know, that, we, that we're better off. Uh, there's people I have great relationships with that I can have a really good phone conversation. I don't need to be there with them in person. Does that make sense? I can have a great phone conversation, and I'm in fellowship with them, but there's other times when God says, no, 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 put the phone down and go have lunch with them, or go spend time with them, or get together with that group. By the way, I love what God's doing in some of these groups, that group of men down there, and uh, the college kids, and you know, we're just get, getting people together. But the relationship, having an Acts chapter, they broke bread together. They had tacos together. That'll do anything. That'll, that'll do amazing work. You know, that kind of thing. That certain things. Have pizza together and those kind of things and break down those walls, but also then talk about what God wants to do from a discipleship. And it's a, it's a process. It's a uh, process of delving into things. We had uh, the fellowship time was sweet the other night at the marriage night, and then we had the men broke out just for one of the sessions. Most times the husband and wives were together, praying together and stuff, but we had a time where the men broke out. And then that time where the men were broken out, the ladies broke out, uh, you know, the men, we were talking about being initiators, um, appreciators, and communicators. I, I even remember my notes. I didn't do the teaching that night. I was just li- there taking notes, listening, and it sunk in, and we had a great discussion. I think it was one of the best we've ever had with married men. And I think that we're going to get more and more deep and able to grow as we do it. There has to be as, past, uh, as Sam likes to say, consistency equals maturity. Consistency equals maturity. If we don't do it consistently, it won't happen anyway. So this a, it's a pruning process. It's inch by inch, and it takes a whole lot of grace to grow as disciples. Uh, some discipleship imperatives that, again, I covered these in the series last year. They're still out on the website. This time I put the path. You can follow that path right there at the bottom. You can't click on it from where you're sitting, but you can copy it. Uh, you can type it in Calvary Chapel, and you'll see it uh, when you go to the home page. You can find that there, and you can look at these 12 imperatives. What I would ask you to do is take your Bible, t- uh, pray, and grab a pen, and go through that list with the Lord and say, Lord, where am I at in these? Where am I kind of resisting? Where am I kind of uh, balking or stalling and, or whatever it may be? And ask the Lord, uh, show me where, what I need to do to be surrendered in these areas, to take those even small steps. A small step is way better than no step. 
Isn't it true? I mean, doctor tells you, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to start exercising and losing this much. A small step is way better than no step because a small step leads to future steps. So you've got to do it, and we all need to do it together. Next one, together in serving. Uh, so giving of our time and abilities and resources. We're all called by Jesus and the epistles to be servants of Christ. Uh, the ministry roles that are outlined in the New Testament and the epistles, the terminology is always the same. We're called to serve. As you, all, you guys have read this in your Bibles, we're called to serve. Jesus came to serve. He didn't came to be served. did not come to be served. He came to serve. Another half dozen or so times in the New Testament it's expressed that we're all called to serve God and serve one another. Now Jesus showed this when he got down to wash the disciples' feet. He didn't wash God's feet. He washed their feet. Does that make sense? But Jesus was showing us that when we wash each other's feet through serving one another, now, not literally, uh, I've, I've seen ministries do the feet washing thing. I'm not saying anything against that. I'm saying we're talking metaphorically that when you are bouncing someone's baby over there while they're in here getting fed, you're washing their feet. You, uh, they just threw up all over me for the glory of God. You know, that, you know. <laughs> so I hope you were well fed because I am going to go to the dry cleaners after this. You know, that kind of thing. And so that, that's serving. That's serving. Jesus said, no, I, I'm going to wash your dirty feet. Serving. And this has to start in our own homes the ecclesia or the gathering of our own homes, but it can't stay there. We have an inward work in the home, but we also have an outward work. Serving should be as natural to the believer as a child wanting to start walking. As I told the earlier service, you would not feel great if, say, our kid's 12 and just still wants to crawl, but is really good at it, you know, so does not have any desire to run or walk or anything like that, so we're good with it because they're excellent at it now. No, uh, serving is a natural growth in our maturity. And uh, Galatians 5.13, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Now, it's nice to know that we're not under the bondage of sin or guilt or shame or a bunch of legalistic rules, but Jesus, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's saying through Paul here, not to use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, what does it say? Serve one another. Serve one another. And again, some of you that are online and maybe are shut in, the only thing you can do is bathe someone in prayer. That's not the only, that's big. Some of your prayers have kept me moving. I can guarantee it over the last dozen years or so. There's no question in my mind. So that is big. But it may not be the only thing God wants some of you to do. He might say, no, no, you have the capability. You have the resource to invest in this way or that way. And I want you to do it. I've been calling you to do it. He, while he's given me this amount of health or ability to do it, he wants me in the pulpit right now. I have a pastor friend that was just in a car accident and he's not in the pulpit today and, and been praying for him. And so you don't know when you, something's taken away. So you serve while you can serve, while you have the opportunity. We're not guaranteed the next opportunity. Why is this so fundamental to our walk in the church family? Because God uses human beings like us to build the kingdom of God. He could have sent angels and they'd be a way better at it than us, Right? An angel would landscape the yard uh, there in no time flat and everything would be fine and, and the kids would be floating on clouds and all that kind of stuff. But no, we get to do it real down in the you know, kind of dirt kind of uh, living there. God is using us to build the kingdom just as he used the saints of old to build real walls. He's building us to build spiritual walls within the kingdom. A verse we didn't read in Nehemiah chapter 4, I love it, Nehemiah 4, verse 6, which is up further in the text. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together. Even the wall was a together thing. Up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Um, we talked about this Friday night with the men in the, uh, in the marriage discipleship. All of us as men, and I wasn't in the ladies' sections, but this would be true for you ladies as well. All of us as men and all of us as ladies have somewhere in our fabric of our being where we're lazy. Everybody does. So, no, I'm a workaholic. Well, that's a different problem. But, because um, you're supposed to rest sometime. But even workaholics have an area where they're actually lazy. And guess where it usually is? It's in the spiritual realm. You'll meet people that are just 
type A, knock it out of the park and do everything, but they can't spend any time with their spouse. That's not good. It's not godly. Or they, they do all this stuff, but they can't invest. They've never read the scriptures even once to their kids. That's a spiritual laziness, or it is a complete you know, dereliction of duty. Whatever it may be. So sometimes it's laziness, sometimes it's just kind of um, avoidance. But the people had a mind to not just do any work, the work God had asked them to do. Because, you know, we can, uh, you know, there's, there's times where we know we should be doing something, we just don't do the one thing we're supposed to do. Even in our tasks at the house, like, uh, that, that pile has been looking at me for two days, I'm going to walk past and go do something equally productive. <laughs> right? But the thing that needed to be done has still not been done. So it's not just work, it's the work God's called us. Um, so, Let's look at the next one as we're coming down the stretch here. Just these last two, together and outreach, local community and beyond. Uh, we talked about this last Sunday where Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3.9 that we're God's field. In other words, we as the body of believers at CCR, we are God's field and so are our brothers and sisters in other churches. They're God's field and then we're one gigantic field of believers. But uh, in this field we have some serving and work to do right here. Amen? I mean, somebody's got to cut the grass. Somebody's got to clean the church. Somebody's got to take care of the kids. Somebody's got to teach the, the, the kids Scripture. Somebody's got to sing up here for worship. Somebody's got to do AV. Somebody's got to post stuff to the website. All of this stuff So you actually, uh, we have work in this field to do, but Jesus sends us to those fields that are other fields where the lost are at. That's a different, those are different fields. That was where the Samaritan woman was at. That was a different field. Jesus said, those fields are wide into harvest. We're God's field, but he sends us to farther fields. Does that make sense? So he sends us to other fields that are further out there. So we have uh, the work that we do serving each other, our brothers and sisters, but we also have this outward work in these farther fields. And even in the pandemic, by the way, uh, we were able to do some outreach that uh, was new to us. Uh, we were able to do some new, take on some new areas, and, and I, I thank Sean and Steve and the AV team. Um, we were able to improve the whole AV, and our, our streaming is better, our capabilities are better, we've got wiring to the modulars, we can set up the flat screen out there, and, and we have other future ideas, and a lot of it t you know, t takes funding and time and people and all that stuff, but we've made a, we've made a lot of uh, strides, and our digital outreach, and, and there's a lot of people that are watching us from different places that wouldn't be able to if we hadn't made those investments of time. So all that is part of the outreach as well. And we'll have new business cards you know, soon that we, you know, you'll be able to invite people. And by the way, the number one form of outreach for any church is you being a daily witness in your normal life. Right. You know, this, this, yesterday we had a yard sale in my neighborhood, and and I, I got, I've, I've lately, in the last couple of years, I said, I'm just going to be the nicest neighbor, meet as many as I can. I have been, and I've just have been having good dialogue with them and met more of them yesterday and helped some of them take stuff to their house and things like that. Your normal life, being a light for Christ, is the number one area. More than any kind of outreach we do, that is just being a witness. Pastor Chuck was big on that years ago. He said, if the Holy Spirit fills our people everywhere they go, they are an outreach. And so that's the number one thing. That's why we want to invest in the Word of God on Sundays and other things, but we still have to have a mindset that we're reaching out with the gospel, that we're inviting people. Uh, we never stopped in the pandemic uh, giving to foreign missions. In fact, we gave more to certain uh, mission fields than we did in other years. And just a little reminder, and this is uh, again some familiarization to those of you newer to CCR, um, the lower left there is John Samara from uh, Ananias' house. I hope to have John here this year. We've been talking on the phone last couple of weeks. Getting his schedule and mine together has not been easy, and so you know we'll we'll do our best. But I hope to get him here, and you get a chance to hear what he just got back from North Africa. What God's doing in the Muslim world is amazing. Uh, what is taking place that the mainstream media doesn't know anything about or care about, but God knows about it and it's awesome. And you know, uh, Jeff Stone, Guatemala, awesome things that God is doing there. Uh, the Petersons as well as Zach and Lee. Zach of course has been a huge help. He's a de facto uh, extension of our virtual staff here as he's been here. They'll get back to the Philippines and, and, and Manila um, and then uh, India as well. Uh, as the Lord kind of opens those doors back probably in the summer. 
And then uh, we have all these other folks as well that uh, I hope to have far right-hand corner. Uh, Sam Nadler, a good friend who's discipled me over the years. Uh, come and share what God is doing in the Jewish communities around the world, what he's doing in Israel, uh, breaking down barriers and things of that nature. And then uh, lower left-hand corner, I have a video in a couple weeks I'll show from David Downs, what God's doing in Italy, young people, what they're doing with music, uh, you know, putting Christian hymns to Italian and, and reaching uh, people there. Really cool stuff. You'll get a chance to see a video. And maybe some of these will zoom some of them in. But again, God is doing so much and we want to just continue to be a part of it. Amen? Last thing this morning, and this is uh, our final uh, kind of perspective together in faith, uh, obedient, bold, and strategic. Now, obedient and bold faith is sometimes shaking like a leaf, just so you know. If you've ever thought, you know, uh, all the saints of old, they, they all were like Samson charging into every situation. No. You ever seen Gideon? God used him in a great way. Moses was really scared to death to go back and meet Pharaoh face to face. I mean, so steps of faith uh, are not easy. Abraham, he kind of even lied a couple of times, didn't he? Because he was taking these steps of faith, but, but he was afraid during it. So it's not to say you won't have some trepidation if you take something on and God says, like, I want you to win the outreach, just go back to the prison ministry, I want you to go. And you're like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't think I can go. Other people will, they'll, they'll lock arms with you and that's why God sends us two by two by, you know, we help each other. But those steps of faith are important and all of us are called to take steps of faith. Everything in the Christian life and the real life of the church is done by faith. The Bible says the just will live by faith. If you don't live by faith, then you're no different than the world. The world doesn't live by faith. They live by what's in the bank account, what this is, what uh, you know, Consumer Reports says, uh, what their career track says. What, you know, I'm not saying that all those things are pointless. I'm saying you, as a believer, we have to take steps of faith, things where we are depending on God. Caleb and Joshua were the only two out of 12, 10 spies said there's no way, there's absolutely no way we can take the promised land. Let's stay here in the desert and just do the best we can right here. Two said, we got God. He created the promised land. Why would he not have the key to unlock it? Doesn't that make sense? So when you, if God calls you something, say, A, it's in the Word. B, God's impressing upon me. See, I've been balking. Now he wants me to just, just go do it. Then he'll give you, say, what? Well, but I don't have the time on my schedule. Watch God make time and schedule when you take a step of faith. I've had this a million times. We would have never gotten married had kids if I was waiting for all the numbers to line up. Ever. But then we did, and all of a sudden God starts moving mountains. You've got to take the step of faith. Uh, we're called, we're often, uh, it's often that the Lord is speaking to us and we know what he's calling us to do. We just shrink back from doing it. That's, that's what really ends up happening. We have a promise in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. And then, then Paul says, brethren, pray for us. So I, I look at this, Paul's like, God can do it. Please pray for us that he does it. Yeah. Right? God can do it. Now please pray. We recently had um, two big steps of faith here. Two big ones. Uh, you know, Brian taking that step to, to serve as a deacon and, and, and uh, thankfully both these men, their lives exhibit a Christ-likeness to, to take that step. Um, but big steps. And then Tre Trevor taking a step to be ordained as a pastor. Uh, our next step, um, which it was awesome that God's uh, ordained him and I know God has called him and it, it's not him calling himself. That, that's a recipe for disaster to call yourself. But if God calls you then you'll survive. You'll actually not survive, you'll thrive. And um, we'll be creating a Get Trevor full-time fund. We won't have a thermometer on the wall or anything like that, but, but we will have a Get Trevor full-time fund. And uh, it's not just faith now, it's actually capacity. I've reached my capacity. I, I can guarantee you there's not, there's not any really things that I could add to my plate and be effective. So we're getting to that place that you know, sometime this year we, we look forward to being able to say, hey, God's gotten full-time through his people. We have other ministry areas, though, that someone needs to grab a, 
a, a trowel, and someone needs to grab um, a diaper, uh, and someone needs to grab, you know, I don't know, a weed whacker, and someone else needs to grab a mic and start singing, and not anybody. You don't want anyone singing, but you'll know when you're called there too, and so you can talk to the worship team a little later. But again, all these things, I know the Lord will bless. We'll bring it to a close here. I know the Lord will bless those that take these steps. I know, I, I, I never look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have taken any steps of faith. I, I wish that I just did nothing more than I just did. Just stay right there. You know, Jesus warned about that. The man who buries his brick doesn't do anything with it. Now God says, no, no, you've got to take that and, and multiply it. And so God has given most of us the capacity to do that. And, if, and again, if you're not able to do that, if you're shut in or someone like that, then hey, God uses you in that capacity. I want to close with this though. Uh, these are visual images that I think speak to the spiritual nature of things. Um, the first was our We Believe board in the back. Look how it looked when we started. There were no kids' drawings on it. The scripture says where there's no oxen, the trough is clean. Uh, but I actually like the kids' drawings. I mean, they, 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 they're mostly they're trying to draw little spiritual pictures or uh, something in the Bible. Uh, look at all the verses that are on there. A lot of prayers have been answered. A lot of lives have been touched since we started that. Uh, it, the Bible says that God takes the prayers of his people and they're like incense that he puts in a bowl. And I like that that's just, just collecting that uh, I could show you many people and prayers related to that. Here's another one outside. Uh, I could show you people that were lost and are now in Christ. You saw some of the baptism when they're all drenched, coming out with big smiles on their face. This is was, that was our after the septic tank work out there. That was the gorgeous courtyard, and it looked awesome, didn't it? Uh, there was some red dirt and weeds, and now look at it. That was the picture that was taken through the um, through the security camera. And the guys, even in the pandemic, actually put all the security cameras in place. Wired up. We got a lot of things done in the pandemic. I mean, just like most of you said, hey, I finally got a home project done, finally, because I was home a little bit more. And so we did some of those things. But I've seen lives that were like that, that were lost and in disrepair, and now they are put together, put back together, pieced together. And that's the work uh, that God is doing and desires to do in us. And what will God do next? We don't know. We don't know. We, th we might think the next mission trip is back to Guatemala, but it may be Italy, or we might think it's somewhere else. It might be Uganda. Uh, we don't know what other doors will open. We don't know who will be sitting here saved next year, and their picture will be in the baptism. We don't know what God will do, but we do know he's got big plans for us. Amen? If we will yield to him. Let's close and prayer. These, are, uh, by the way, out there, all these ministry areas are out there. The ones in italics are just ones that we're trying to kind of break out a little bit. And you know, we we don't have a set up an events team. We we need one. And so, um, you know, if, if you've been here at least three months, uh, you can sign up to serve. If you if if this is going to be your home church, keep all these things in mind. And 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 three months from now, you know, say hey, I'm ready, and I'd love to jump in some area. And be open and coachable and teachable for us to say, hey, if you're, if you're available, can we direct where we have the greatest needs? Because uh, sometimes we have a need to say, we don't need uh, 58 people on the stage doing worship when we need someone else in this other place. So we uh, just uh, allow the Lord to help direct in that way. And just as long as we have soft, open hearts, God will put all the peace together the way he desires. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Why don't you stand? We're not going to have a closing worship because we do have um, the table set up outside. If you're interested in meeting any of the ministry leaders or some of the areas, you can sign up uh, for something out there. And we would have normally done this outside, but as it happened last night, we got a lot of rain. So there's, uh, the picnic tables are drenched, and so we didn't think paper on them was going to work. Uh, so uh, we kind of moved things inside, called an audible. It uh, looks like it's beautiful weather the next three days, but uh, for Ministry Sunday, at least it's not raining, but it is still too wet outside, so we uh, have everything set up here. Um, for those of you that are newer, um, without even intending to, you got a little bit of a more orientation to CCR, and uh, in a couple of, um, probably in May, we want to do a new to CCR brunch, and all you have to do is stay after this, uh, this service, after, and we'll have... Uh, bagels and cream cheese and uh, you know, various foods uh, from Panera usually. We'll set all that up. And we'd love to have those of you that are newer to the church uh, stay. It's only, we only do about an hour and 
you get to eat, and uh, myself and our leadership, we answer questions, and we take questions, and we show also a video that kind of gives you a little understanding more of Calvary Chapel as uh, the 2,000-plus churches worldwide and why we're a connected fellowship of churches and families. And so uh, just gives you any doctoral questions you have, and we're glad to take all that. Um, and uh, so we'll do that. Uh, the next one is in May. We try and do a couple of them a year. But even today gives you a little more familiarity on what we're following. And, and we're going to keep the essentials the essentials because that's the only thing Jesus is going to honor. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Thank you for your time today. Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness and your grace. Uh, Lord, we pray as we, um, as we leave here uh, that, uh, Lord, you would just speak to each person uh, where, where you are speaking to us in areas of discipleship. If there's an area, Lord, you want us to uh, yield to you, that will be yielded to it. If there's an area you want us to serve, we'll serve it. If there's an area you want us just to go encourage someone, we'll do that. Uh, Lord, just help us to grow in prayer and in the Word and, and in rejoicing and being thankful. And Lord, as we do it together, uh, Lord, we'll see a multiplied work. Lord, the people finished the wall in just 52 days, a work that had languished for 12 years. Lord, they finished it in a matter of a couple of months. And Lord, what you did in the uh, early church in a matter of weeks uh, was more than some people will see in a lifetime. So Lord, we know that if you activate it, great things are possible. So we just thank you for your goodness in our lives. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.